so the research has become a very, very big part of it, even though people don't want to say, like the pharmaceutical companies, oh, this is true, it does work. That's why they have to have this um, knowledge behind them. This is why the research goes into so much today. It's just like how we learnt how to use herbs. We just worked with them. And I suppose in the very beginning, there wasn't a lot of documentation. But as time has gone on, that valuable documentation, the research, the the people's submitting their case studies, they're showing their research papers. And that's how we really get the, the greater understanding about how these chemical constituents that are so minute are able to truly work in many facets of our health and well-being. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials, here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. You all know my absolute love of aromatherapy, and if you've been following me for some time now, you will know it is one of the modalities I turn to in all times of life. This week, I'm incredibly proud to bring to you one of my absolute faves, the gorgeous Deb Adderby. Now, this beautiful soul is an active aromatherapy educator and clinical practitioner with over 30 years' experience. She has continued to be active in aromatic medicine and clinical aromatherapy, as well as Western herbal medicine, and trained internationally since 2001. In 2008, she undertook the task of editor and publisher of the industry magazine, Aromatherapy Today International Journal. This assists aromatherapists with their continuing education in the aromatherapy realm, and Debbie provides an in-depth profile of an essential oil in each volume. She instigated the first two-day Aromatica Australia conference in 2015, which was well attended by therapists from Australia, New Zealand, Taiwan, and Japan, who were all treated to wonderful presentations by guest speakers in their field. As a result of the first Aromatica Australia conference, Debbie has continued running the conference in 17, 19, and 21. More recently, she has been recognized as an expert in Australian native essential oils and has many case studies to demonstrate their efficacy and benefits in a clinical environment, and along with her colleague, educates predominantly in the use of Australian essential oils. She has since written a book on these precious oils, which is available online at her beautiful website, aromatherapytodayeducation.com.au. I cannot wait to share this beautiful soul with you. Her passion is so alive and vibrant, and it's thanks to thought leaders like her that the world of aromatic medicine and aromatherapy is so vibrant today. Cannot wait to hear what you think. Please put all your comments and feedback. You can head on over to my Instagram page, Kim Morrison and the number 28. You can go to my Facebook page, Kim Morrison Training, or you can head on over to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash self-love podcast. I know you're going to love today's show and cannot wait to hear from you. Thank you so much for your five-star rating, for listening and tuning in each and every week. I read every comment and I'm very grateful for all your personal messages. Special thanks to 28 Essentials, my beloved aromatherapy company, for sponsoring the show. Take care, be kind, and I look forward to talking to you again next week right here on the Self Love Podcast.
Every week, I get the amazing opportunity not only to spend some time with pretty extraordinary souls, but I get to dive deep, hear about these magical people's lives, their experiences, where they're from, and why they do what they do. And this week, we have a beautiful superstar, the amazing Deb Adderby. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. Oh, thank you, Kim. I feel so honored to be asked. I really do. It's such a such a pleasure to to once again see you again. It's, I mean, I love that. That most of all, you you always bring the light in my life when I see you. Oh, that is so so beautiful. Well, you have the same effect, my friend. <laughs> and what I'd love to do is to share your amazing story today. So perhaps just take us back a little bit, and we'll weave into how we've connected. But go back. Tell us where you grew up. What was it like being you? How did you end up doing all the magical work that you are doing today? Hmm. Well, as a child, I I had a, an absolute passion for. For plants. I actually grew up near the Blue Mountains in the New South Wales area and I always dreamt of doing things with flowers and of course my my grandparents on my father's side were European and my mum because she knew a lot about healing with with plants and I suppose as a little girl I spent some time with her intermittently because they did live overseas and and we went and lived with them for a little while. So she taught me a lot about that. And, and as I grew up, I, you know, I never lost that passion. And I think that's sort of kind of the, the moulding where it truly began. Many people have a passion and don't really realise where that passion stems from, but you're pretty adamant it's your grandparents. And I'd love you to just share with us is what was it about the plants that they taught you? Like you talk about the healing qualities, but as a little girl, we don't really understand that. We just trust that the people that are older and more wiser than us know what they're doing. So tell me some of the big ahas you had with your beautiful grandparents. Yeah, I suppose really it, it was more my my grandmother or my mamichka. She she actually was the one who would at one stage I was living overseas with her for some months, and we would actually go into the garden. I do the same now for my own grandchildren, and you know I would show them what they could eat from the garden and what they couldn't eat, and what was dangerous and what wasn't dangerous. And you know we did that a lot, just the two of us, that because that was just something. And and I remember. One winter it was snowing and um, we were out, my sister and I were little, I was only six and we're out on a sled and unfortunately that's probably the truth of the matter about myself. But this, I fell off the sled and the sled hit me in the head, boom, out for the count. And um, God love my my mamichka, she, she, she took me inside and the first thing that she did is that she made me tea and the tea that she made me to drink was caraway tea. And we, she, she sat for for a long time, just with me and and making me me sip the herbal tea. And you know, as that time went on, there was all sorts of things that just you know, you just grew from there on end. Pretty powerful though, isn't it? Because for this day and age, it seems quite sad, in my humble opinion, that. Most people think with an accident like that or any kind of everyday ailment, the first thing we reach for is a pharmaceutical cabinet. And yet people like you, people like me, we just know that a lot of those pharmaceuticals, a lot of the bioactives or the things that they extract from that from a scientific point is actually from the plants that you're talking about. 
So tell me a little bit about how you've navigated that pathway of understanding the power and place for pharmaceuticals, but more importantly, what is it that you think is so powerful about these incredible plants? You know, it's that, that's a really strong and very interesting question that you do ask, Kim. Um, I think that it's it's not just one thing in, in that whole scenario. I think as I've grown and I have gone through my experiences of life, I've learned to probably change things around and, you know, watch what my parents then further on would say to me, look, you know, that in those days, you know, my mum and dad, you know, pharmaceutical drugs were not something that you saw a lot of. So, you know, dad would be passed to mum and mum would tell us what to do. And, you know, we would we would do the, you know, the hot honey and ginger. And, you know, in, in their days it was very, very difficult to afford a lot of things from a pharmacy and so they they had to treat us that way and I suppose for me it really empowered me as a child growing up and and as time went on and the pharmaceutical companies really have well especially since um, 2019 have really empowered the you know the world and 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 taken away that that part of that true soul of the earth they've taken it and and we've taken that soul you know people are generally more sick today and 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 trying to to get people to understand that you know we need to really look what's in our backyard we we really need to go back to those people like myself you know the herbalist or the you know aromatic practitioners and and really look at what we can do to build our bodies immune and and not be overpowered by all of the 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 mindset that they are creating to people to believe that the pharmaceutical drugs are going to be the be end and all end of life ahead. And that's what it's trying to do. And we need to go back a little bit and go, hell, that's right. The reason we've got pharmaceutical drugs, like, for instance, aspirin, which, okay, I don't see that as an, a major problem. That's a very simple thing to talk about. But, you know, they were looking at the different types of plants, you know, like your birches and, and your wintergreens that give the same effect. As we look at all of nature and her incredible majesty and the power in all that she offers, realizing that then these pharmaceuticals have come, a lot of them from trial and tribulation of many tribes and cultures who learnt the hard way whether or not something was good for them or not, that wisdom that, that soul wisdom you're talking about, Mother Earth, all of her intelligence, what do you see as the future, knowing how much the pharmaceutical companies, from a monetary point of view, seem to be, as you put it, empowering us to believe that they're better than anything that our forefathers and mothers have done? What's the future look like for us, Deb? Do you know, Kim, I think the is it I don't know how to put this in the the nicest way possible but I think they're actually they are actually destroying themselves but before I can say that about the pharmaceutical companies I do want to express clearly that we also have a lot of good things that have saved many a life and so you know I think people from our background with that with mother nature and father time as our soul we 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 see that we can accept the good with the bad but sadly the pharmaceutical companies can only see what they want as it is correctly financial financial gain and how they can manifest to people's minds and 
like that. But, you know, in some way they're going to outdo themselves because if you have a look at where we are, especially in Australia, I mean, I can't speak for other countries, of course, but, you know, one, financially a lot of people can't afford to go out and buy pharmaceutical drugs. Two, people can't afford to go to um, to their local doctors now. I mean, I mean, in Australia, many things that they're actually, the old saying is cooking their goose. Well, that's what they kind of, eventually they will put themselves out because people have to seek a way of still being able to survive and, and, and look for that healing process. And so they're going to come back and they're going to look at the likes of myself or you and go, oh, my God, I know that she can just help me a little here. And so that's what they'll eventually do. They'll sell themselves through. Yeah, and I think it's just a case of us witnessing that, honouring it, and also being mindful that when people do need someone like you, they actually have the ability to go there and ask with love and no judgment and complete and utter admiration for people taking responsibility for their own health. It's fascinating, Deb, over the last few years, as you and I have both spoken about, it's fascinating that in all of the claims and all of the um, fear-mongering and all of the news around this virus, COVID-19, I did not hear, I, I actually promise, can honestly say hand on heart, did not hear once on any news um, article or any bulletin to boost your immune system, to get outside in the sunshine, to make sure you take care of your health, do whatever you can to protect yourself. It was very driven and very marketed towards if you do not have this injection, you're not only affecting yourself, but you're actually going to hurt the community. What would you say about that narrative? Yeah. Do you know, I will give you a, a little example of this domination that uh, was put in place when COVID came in. And I say that domination of of human rights and I and I you know I'm I'm not a person that runs around with banners and and I don't do that I don't display myself that way but I know that my uncle who um we just lost my auntie they're very close very very close to me very close people and my my two children and um Auntie Val had passed over in the early part of May and of course COVID was quite rampant and her husband, David, Uncle Dave, he um, he took sick. And, you know, I at that stage had not had the COVID injections and neither did my children. And to me, I was, un, you know, I, I really didn't want that. You know, I didn't, I didn't need to be messed around with something that nobody even really knew about, which I think was absolutely disgusting. But anyway, we were forced to actually... Um, have the injections if we wanted to go and see him which you know we would he was in hospital and we told we were told he'd only had weeks to go and we thought we got to get there we just got to get there because he's the mainstream of our of our family and um, that was in Sydney and so we all toddled off and did what we were meant to do as much as we didn't want to and so sadly the very next day after we'd all had our injections he passed away and so it was all in vain, really, in its own right. Um, yeah. So you know, I don't know. I just, yeah, I, you know, I think everything's gone wrong. I, I, I think the world is upside down at the moment, and I think Mother Nature's trying to do her best by 
realigning the earth as well. But when we come to this problem with COVID and we come to see what's happened and the people who have lost jobs, people who have become angry, people who have become bitter and, you know, people who have been being put up against a wall and saying, you will do this because if you don't do this, you don't have a job anymore or you don't have this anymore. And I think it is really not necessarily just changed by destroying a lot of our natural immunities, but it is also unfortunately created a lot of excess aftermath, if that makes sense. Yeah, and again, I know that out of it was either people had a fear of the virus or a fear of the vaccine, and ultimately we all wanted the same thing, which was to be healthy, safe, and be able to see and be around loved ones. So, you know, again, without... This isn't about us having a, a big, you know, warfare against everything. It is what it is. But I'd be really curious then to know in your heart of all hearts, knowing that it is way bigger than a virus or a vaccine or an injection or a medication, you and I both know that there's something bigger at play. So how did you honor your beautiful body, your children's bodies, what things did you do to support yourself? Because whether we got the virus or whether we got the vaccine, it was the same sort of treatment. So talk us through how you looked after yourselves given that result. Okay, so very, 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 uh, at the very beginning, prior to even having that injection, even though we had like a matter of, you know, three or four days as we were waiting to to go to the doctors and have that done, you know, we we set ourselves up. We've got a wonderful homeopath here as well, and so worked with um, homeopathic remedies to help with enlightening the body and things like that, which we continued on way after um, we had had this um, injection as well. But also a lot of um, blood cleaning went into involved in here. So looking at tinctures that I would make up with red clover and also adding things like the echinacea. And we're working with something that was going to not only clean the blood but also boost that immune defense and you know often with that that uh, eliminations uh you know we would talk about say okay come on guys you know just start getting things into the body like our really makeup makeup in the evening just so that when you sleep the body actually can build and find anything that it's it doesn't need in there so you know i'd say to the kids come on just you know a whole lemon cut it up wash it up clean cut it up put it in you know into a small pot of water give it a good boil, add a little bit of, you know, a little bit of ginger, add a little bit of your honey and let's let's just sip on that at night, warm, warm drink through through the evening before going to bed. In the day, yeah, make sure that we're having our tinctures and that's how I work with it. And when I develop a tincture or such, I also do often put an essential oil in there and one particular essential oil, I, I, I do deal a lot with um, Australian natives, by the way, that's the one big thing I do, Australian native essential oils and extracts. So within that, you know, I would put some extracts such as um, even our bit of orange extract may go into the tincture itself. And so I would formulate all that up and they were our immune boosting. They were the things to help eliminate. They were the things to help us clean our blood and keep us healthy. Isn't it wonderful to have the knowledge to know to do that? And I'd love to segue into then not only your love of plants, of medicine, of aromatics, but 
Can you explain to us then what led you into, because it's all very good and well getting the wisdom and the beautiful traditional knowledge handed down to us by our grandmother, but how did you then go around and go about choosing what you do to become a professional in this area? Because this is something that you are truly magnificent at. Well, I suppose I started then when I was 18 years of age, I I went and and learned things like my herbal medicine courses and I did remedial massage and I took all of those things on very powerfully and I I felt that that was where, where my life was. I didn't have exactly a very good childhood um, in retrospect, not because of my parents, but because of my father's, um, my father's background being European. I, and brought up in a very European world, when going to school, I had to have the school of hard knocks. I wasn't an academic in no means. I personally couldn't read or write properly. And, you know, um, people coming from out near the Blue Mountains and moving to the to the ocean where we did, we moved into Avalon area and that was on the northern beaches. And, of course, I went to uh, an all-girls school and, you know, that that was difficult because people back then really gave in the 70s really were not very uh, accepting to that. And so I suppose in one way I, I learned to take those hard knocks and, you know, I, I suppose we're different. It was a different generation. You either had to harden up or you didn't make it. And so I left school when I was 14 and a half underage and went straight into doing you know this massage and and this herbal medicine because it didn't matter you could you could do things and I went to work and I, I I think those hard knocks taught me to continue with something that I I knew I had a burning inside for and that was the plants and that's why I took on the herbal medicine and and later on grew to aromatics and it, it was just really to be honest taking hard knocks Instead of running away or giving up, I just I had to just change my attitude and move and find another way of success in my own self, and that's what made that growth come. I've always been a very strong person when it comes to moving forward. I stepped back a couple of times. I have to be honest with you, Kim. I've had some very, very, very difficult times, and now I'm speaking from the honest part of my heart here, and I mean sincerely hard hard knocks as a child I learned to go into my own area and that was like a little box in my mind and I would sit there and I would say to myself okay Deb you know this is not fair yep okay it's not good okay be sad be sorry have those feelings feel feel disappointed have that for a few days but what is it what is it that I'm going to do in here what's my next treat will I go and do some drawings will I go and and write a poem will I go and and run will I go and pick flowers and press them so I also took things into that box and I still do it today which is really really weird it's like it is like having to change my attitude but that's where I find it I find my self-protection my self-code of realigning what I need to do to step back out in that world. What a powerful tool. What a great strategy for survival. And when you think about that, when you understand it's a strategy, you can actually use it even more powerfully, which is exactly what you've done. And I really admire you wholeheartedly. 
I would love to know then, you're a clinical aromatherapist and an aromatic medicine practitioner. You're a herbalist, a massage therapist, and you have been running conferences all over the world. You also have a beautiful magazine. You're an incredible soul and an advocate for the aromatherapy world, something very dear to my heart. What do you think has changed the most since you came into the aromatherapy world to today? Because I'm talking, you know, three, four decades of growth this industry has really had. Mm. Well, Kim, yes, it, it is a very powerful powerful place aromatherapy and of course obviously the herbals and my clinicals and stuff like that I've seen in the 70s when I first started studying I I saw the abundance within this uh, natural therapies world and 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 people were so strong about still you know connecting with mother nature and father time and and it was it was beautiful it was it actually it was it was actually in a, it was a very wonderful place to be because people would laugh and you could make jokes and nobody really was excessively judgmental about whether you were tall, short, fat, thin. It didn't really matter. You were who you were. And I love that part of the 70s when I studied and and I, I, I put all of that together and and that growth was great for me and it, it made my career path even stronger to go out and do more studies in, you know, doing things like, you know, sport massage and iridology and you know I just kept adding to my work you know I just kept putting more and more into my clinic you know and becoming a you know a, a, an esthetician in in the beauty industry and just growth 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 and I had this burning in my belly when I um, was teaching for many years and I, I started teaching in my 30s and I, I really had this burning in my belly too because I loved aromatherapy and the herbals. I wanted to be the first person to bring aromatic medicine to Australia because I, at that stage, started to travel to Europe to do aromatic medicine. And I wanted the world, I wanted Australia to be so important. I wanted Australia to really feel what I felt. And I am a person who really does say, if I'm going to do it, I do it. Because I believe, and I believe so much in Australia, and I believe Australia needed something really substantial. Well, cut story short, the answer of asked, um, by by two thirds, 2013, you know, I had done all these studies, I was writing the journal, did all the things I had to do, and I, I saw that opening and a, an opportunity came my way and along with some people who owned an RTO, we put the first aromatherapy, aromatic medicine um, together and got it passed through the government. So in that time, Australia was in the top, part of the world because we were the first to have an aromatic medicine um, course um, actually a diploma of health science passed through the government and I was just like oh my god my dream has come true I've met, I've, I've reached my pinnacle uh, you know I added all my expertise of herbal medicine, iridology, you know, massage techniques. I did the whole lot and put it all together with the aromatic medicine and and it just went fabulous. And come 219, the government very simply put it into a skill set. So it wasn't an advanced diploma anymore and they they took it quite 
hard and and then all of a sudden you know the government stopped uh health rebates in australia and people who were herbalists and like myself were really being battered around quite a lot because the pharmaceutical drugs were really powering on and of course COVID hit and you know the whole lot just went to nothing and sadly australia at the moment, I'm really working as I always do, I always have and always will. I've put my whole life and game into Australia, trying to keep us up there in the world and, and, and try and express the education side. But Australia is nowhere near anything at the moment. It's really quite sad because people um, don't even need to have ongoing professional development they don't need to have a provider's number anymore because that that aromatic world the herbalist it's all what the government did has really created a a nightmare in our industry and still in in you know europe it's bubbling it's it's beautiful it's it's still opening up and i think that's why i'm doing my world trip in May to teach everything about aromatics and the herbals and extracts of Australian essential oils. Um, yeah, but, yeah, where are we? I don't know. And I I do get disheartened now and sometimes I feel i got to jump back in that box and recreate the, the whole scenario to try and find ways to bring us up. But if people don't come in and, and support, you know, um, that doesn't help either. And a lot of other things that have affected our industry is obviously this free education through multi-level marketing. Don't get me wrong, I have nothing against anybody. They work hard for it too, that's fine. But I just wish people that open their eyes and realise the importance of what we have. And treasure it, right? It's not just about making money. This is about creating a future for generations to come. I really feel you. I really hear you. And I just want to acknowledge you publicly for the fight, the stance and the stand that you take in order to protect our precious industry. They say over 70% of the industry is adulterated anyway. Is that true? And if that's the case, what else is the government doing or not doing to support us to hold on to this beautiful world of aromatics? You know, right now, I think right where we are in Australia, there is no help. I mean, it was put on the back burner and, um, you know, I don't not really want to bring in politics, but, you know, now we've also, in the beginning, we had our prior government in and they said yes we're going to go back and revisit what we can do to to open the doors again for the natural therapy industry such as uh, such as your herbalist and all of this and of course COVID hit and and change of government and you know obviously it's just sitting dormant because there is nothing happening for us at the moment and you know there are other things politically that people are more worried about now and and you see you know the world is in because it is in such a topsy-turvy I suppose you know what's happening with it with each country is more important than I suppose going back to the the drawing board and looking at um our industry what can we do to support you deb like how could someone listening to this this the beautiful listener of the of the self-love podcast is aware they're learned they want to know they're interested in this field of work is there anything we can do as a community to support you or what can we do where can we go okay kim really this is very gracious of you for even saying this because this is this is 
my heart, my soul, my love, my 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 dream for Australia is I just want to keep us alive. And you know, I I don't want to push people, and I and I'm going to be one million truthful to you about what I'm about to say. Yes, I want people to go online and come to my conference because they're going to learn. I want people to you sign up for my digital, you know, um, Aromatherapy Today International Journal. Of course I do because that's what keeps Australia alive. Financially, it doesn't make me a dime. To be honest with you, what I make out of what I do goes straight back into it. I don't survive or live off that money. That's not what I have. My truth about this is that I do it because I believe in it and I believe in Australia and it's only pushing Australia forward. Most people in Australia will go overseas now to to gather their information instead of supporting what's important and that's keeping Australia alive so our growth can be greater. Our growth can be stable as it is with other overseas areas. And I have to go overseas. I have to do that to keep Australia alive. I have to do these things to keep us up in the world. Like if somebody can go and do an aromatic medicine course anywhere they want, I suppose, but why are you studying over there with that person where they haven't even done anything more than opened up maybe a Google map, not even seeing the truth behind what is actually happening? Education, you know, all these things, Kim, are the most important important and most valuable things that can keep me going to keep us going. So if we headed to aromatherapytodayeducation.com.au, that is where we can see the Aromatherapy Today journal. And I cannot recommend this enough. The research, the time, the effort, the articles, I could not advocate for a better place to go to be kept in the loop of anything aromatic and herbal medicine. Is there anywhere else or is there anything we can sign, Deb? Is there, or is it not even that close? Is, it, is there nothing? You know, Kim, you know, pick up the phone. Gosh, that's another thing we've lost in this world, isn't it? Pick up the phone. Talk to me. My phone numbers are there. You know, open up that door. Come walk right in. Come and enjoy some wonderful two-day workshops to put the burning in their belly. You know, just contact me. You know, they can either contact me at Aromatherapy Today Education or they can personally contact me at Debbie at Aromatherapy Today com so simple personally put it out there i will answer every email yes there'll be times when i am busy or i may be overseas from may till the end of june but i will contact these people i will contact them and open that door for them i'm here that's what i'm here for i'm here for everybody we are so lucky to have you you're such a wonderful leader. Let's talk a little bit then about the beautiful conference, the, the the programs and things that you've got coming up. Let's give those a plug because we can do those from anywhere in the world. So please share that information with us. Okay. Well, I've been running um, Aromatica Australia since 2015. And prior to that, I, um, I, from 2000, was bringing international speakers to Australia. And I felt that we hadn't had a conference for many years in Australia for aromatherapists. So I reinvented the wheel, and that's how Aromatica Australia came about. Now, obviously, we used to do face-to-face, and, of course, you, my beautiful lady, spoke so beautifully for us at, at, at um, one of my conferences, which I 
dearly love and hope to see you again on the next face-to-face one as well Kim <laughs> so putting putting you in the putting you right in the spot right now <laughs> I'm just going to interrupt you and tell you what an absolute honor it was and to be in a room full of highly qualified incredible geniuses in my mind and people who are just genuinely passionate about uh, herbal and aromatic medicine in particular uh, Deb the the honor was all mine sweetheart <laughs> carry on tell us about this one coming up yeah, so um, it's been running November this year, and obviously it is virtual. So it's ten. It's on the tenth, the eleventh, and the twelfth of November. And on the tenth, um, I've decided that evening, on that Friday evening, I'm going to give a bit of me to people. So I'm going to be running a little. You know, it's all virtual. So um, there'll be a little workshop run by myself using. Uh, Australian aromatics and we've got a couple of speakers and things happening on that and that's free that's free to Australia anybody can join in there that doesn't matter we're not here to say you know you've got to join up but then hopingly that these people love it and they see that um, the next two days are going to be beautiful we've got I'm ta- I try to make a difference each time I do it. So this time we're, we're visiting um, the, the beautiful um, Vince, who is the supplier and grower for all of the Blue Cypress in Australia and what's worldwide, and we're going to him. and He's going to have a lovely chat to us, and we're going down to the essential oil of Tasmania, and during our breaks we're going to run their farming um, the way they farm down there and how they do everything. So that's lovely. And I've got a lovely herbalist who's doing a workshop for me. I have another young lady who's very much into cosmetics and all the aromatherapy world, and she's going to be developing things for us. I have a spotlight, a world spotlight segment that I put in. And I, I think from the bottom of my heart, all the colleagues that I work with in international, so we have the likes of Rhiannon Lewis and Madeline Kaikoff and Hannah Tisseran, and they're going to be and many others, and they're going to be spotted throughout the two-day conference where people um, they will just be giving their insight about things that are happening in their world and and what's going on. But continually, we, we, we're working with um, obviously many of the Australians. We we always are very delighted and and so honoured that. Um, Ashley Dow, who's a very good friend of mine, um, he is also the person who does the researching in the university down in Southern Cross in, in New South Wales, and he always speaks on whatever is really the newest things at the moment in, in research with um, the essential oils. So, look, it, I have an abundance. It, there is such a wonderful two-day um, going and, and, you know, people are uh, I'm very excited to deliver everything that we have. Yes, we have overseas speakers, but we have Australian people. We have everything. It is a very intermingled thing, which is lovely. I think that's what makes it so special when you have someone like you at the helm that is so passionate about this. We can't help but be enthused by your enthusiasm and also your passion. I'd love to ask you then, maybe over all of the years that you've been in clinic and all of the different modalities that you've intertwined and embraced and used throughout your years as a clinician, could you give us any um, wonderful outcomes, any stories where aromatherapy has really played a massive part in a change, a big change for someone? Do you have any stories for us? 
I have a really deep one, a really, really, really heartfelt one. If um, and I'm allowed to speak at this one. Like I, I normally have lots of things that I've also written in a book, as you know, and I've put that out there. So there's a lot of clinical experience on on treating many different things. But if I was to say my most heart warmed was when my first husband was passing away, and he was a young man of 36 years of age, and I think that that was really my my impacting to be that person in Australia. I had. Um, done my aromatherapy then I went back and did a little bit more just prior to him getting sick and he was told in the April that he wouldn't see Christmas and he rapidly um, deteriorated and I had Yana and Laurie which were you know Laurie was just six and Yana was seven and and I was trying really hard to to keep it all together and obviously I was running a business a clinical business in those days and he was a police officer and and the police force supported us amazingly. I, 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 I couldn't say anything higher than what they did to help us. But, um, yeah, he, um, he was a young man and he was a very strong man, but obviously life said that that's enough for him and he can't go on. And the one thing I actually did then, and that was before I even studied aromatic medicine and I'd already done my herbal medicine, I'd actually... Um, tried to work with closing his mind off because what happened is that his mind was so extremely active that he was struggling to sleep even more, more so than generally when people are sick they do have a tendency to sleep a lot as they get iller but he just couldn't because he's he's his disappointment of leaving me with the children and never seeing his children grow up and it was a really impacting thing. And so I created a particular massage technique called, well, I called it the C method of massage because it increased the endorphins and the serotonin and the in the, in the brain and, and, and that was really important. And so I used essential oils within certain tinctures that I made and, and I actually, because he was terminal, and in those days no one said nothing was wrong, I would use these particular go into a meditative state. Mm, that's pretty intense. Just and to- did he say things to you or was he aware of what was happening into those beautiful deep aromatic uh, meditative states when he came out of them? All he used to say to me is that he needed whatever I had because that's I, that's why he believed I was such a unique person. Oh, he really, what a beautiful gift and what an amazing thing. And I've learnt myself in time that apparently smell is one of the last senses to go as we pass. And I've had the privilege of being with a couple of people as they've passed. And I've used the oils in such a way in a very deep um, very connected and very spiritual way and it, whether it works or doesn't work whether it has an impact or doesn't have an impact I feel so honored uh, to be a part of that with those beautiful people who I've been with could I ask you then in your humble opinion out of all of the incredible essential oils that are on the planet could you give us your top three and why <laughs> Um, you know, it's it's funny, Kim, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh at you, but I ha- I have a tendency to um, really change. <laughs> like I, you know, I I can love uh, so many different oils, and I, I people ask that question: What would you go to a, a an island with, or what would you? And I suppose in in that 
question of where would I or what would I do? Well, look, you know, I don't think you could ever beat things like, and even though this is not an Australian essential oil, I ideally love clove and ideally love peppermint, which we have our common peppermint essential oil. Um, but, you know, that third oil it changes a lot for me. Um, like I, I was overwhelmed with the bush farm mint for a while, and then I went for baronia, and then I then I've gone out of there and I've gone to the the actual um, melaleuca quinquinia, the 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 um, the, the viridifolia type because it smelled so amazing, and and then all of a sudden I went away from that. So I I um, I have two main oils which I think are important. Um, even lemon oil could, and it's as just common as they come. But exotically, I just love the Australian essential oils. And you know, I went through a little stage there with the the beautiful cypress leaf oil, and that was working really in my in my favour. So I don't know if that actually helps. All I can say <laughs> is that I change it accordingly to what actually is happening at that time with me too, like. For instance, I might be sitting for, even though the journal itself only goes out three times a year, um, I can honestly tell you that I sit, when I profile an oil, I can sit for maybe three weeks with just that one scent and sit there with it to give me what I need to do. And so all of a sudden I'm like, you know what, I think I really like that. Like the journal that's coming out now for the April edition, I worked back on Baronia, even though it's in my book. I, I heard some funny little stories about the Baronia and, you know, how it how it became, um, how it rejuvenates and, you know, pollination and things like that. Oh, I should write that. So I re-went back to it and, and all of a sudden I went, oh, you know, I think Baronia is my favourite oil at the moment. <laughs> So I don't know. I, I just can't give you that complete answer. <laughs> oh, look, you, you actually make a really good point, though. We're not the same person every moment, let alone every day, let alone every year. So it makes absolute sense. And then according to how we feel, our emotions, where we're at physically, mentally, intellectually, of course we're going to change. And I think that's what the beauty of aromatherapy is. We have a plethora of unbelievable mm -hmm. choice. Um, I do, I'm curious, though, I was not expecting you to say clove and peppermint i want to know why those two are so important to you um i think because of the healing properties now i mean i'm not necessarily talking altogether about the, the scent of these particular oils and yet i i think they're powerful and i love them but i just feel that those two oils have got such a great attribute to our healing like if we were anywhere and you know let's face it we're going to get where we're going to Feel unwell at sometimes, and that's probably also why I mentioned the lemon because the lemon's so powerful in our immune, and 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 it's lovely to be able to have that with us. But the peppermint is so clearing, but yet it's also got that that area of where it can just rejuvenate and and open and clear your mind, and yet you know it has that cooling yet warming effect. And our clove has got that amazing strong, you know, um, way of just eliminating certain pain and you put that peppermint and you put that clove together when you've got a problem dealing with pain whether it is in in the gut or whether it's a headache or whatever uh, it is just just such a powerful healer it is just so and if I was lost anywhere I'd, I'd want them I mean 
look at the cloves antibacterial antifungal effects i love the antiviral i've worked with both peppermint lemon and the cloves strongly through the COVID areas and you know these are just and and also the bush balm mint had been very very high on my on my development of working with uh COVID as well for that uh antiviral problems yeah so yeah i think that's really in a nutshell I love it. I absolutely love it. And I couldn't think of better oils and better said. I'm curious then, we talk about oils as having amazing antiseptic, antibacterial, some antiviral qualities. We can't patent these things. (laughs) Therefore, there's not a lot of money to be made on these things as opposed to or in comparison with perhaps extracts that become uh, manufactured in a laboratory and become pharmaceuticals. And we cannot patent them, but neither would we want to, quite frankly. But I would love you to explain then, for someone who is quite new to aromatherapy, how is it that aromatherapy has such a powerful effect? And how on earth did everybody work out that clove had such warming, strengthening, um, analgesic properties as opposed to peppermint that was so clearing and opening and warming and cooling? Like, where is all the science from all behind all this? We know it's been around for thousands of years, but a lot of people want to know that there's science in behind it. Well, Kim, you know, I think it is like we spoke about when we look at our elders and we look at people prior to us. I mean, they're the ones who had done all the research in their own way, didn't they? I mean, you know, I may talk about my mummichka who said, okay, you got a toothache, let's put the clove butt on. Or, you know, I think it's a thing that has passed. And of course, over the years, with the um, amount of people coming into the industry for distillation and researchers coming in to show proof of it, it has just grown from there. I don't, you know, I mean, going back into the 70s, there was only a very minimal amount of essential oils that were on the market. If you look today, the the abundance of essential oils that are, are being put into the marketplace and due to where we are with the essential world, I suppose it's very important to have that credibility. So the research has become a very, very big part of it, even though people don't want to say, like the pharmaceutical companies, oh, this is true, it does work. That's why they have to have this um, knowledge behind them. This is why the research goes into so much today. It's just like how we learn how to use herbs. We just worked with them and I suppose in the very beginning there wasn't a lot of documentation but as time has gone on, that valuable documentation, the research, the the people's submitting their case studies, they're showing their research papers and that's how we really get the, the greater understanding about how these chemical constituents that are so minute are able to truly work in many facets of our health and well-being. When you look at the science and when we look at people who are leading the way, and there's a lot of incredible aromatherapists out there who really do do a lot of work in behind the scenes, and they've written many books. Who, If someone was listening to this, of talking about your book, can you tell us a little bit about that? But also maybe a couple of books that you think would be the best go-to. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Goodness me, that is that is a big one. Okay, let me start with that. You know, we've got Madeline Kaikos who talks about her CO2s of essential oils. We we have many good papers that are written and journals, a journal that um, you can find from Rhiannon Lewis. She she has that, but she also has a great area of uh, communication called ICAN, where people can become members of ICAN. Contact me, please contact me and let me know. Let me tell you how to become a member of there, um, and and then you get the 
world's best of the best coming in and communicating about, um, you know, uh, communicating about essential oils and the research or things that they have found through <laughs> clinical practice. Um, we have wonderful books on distillation through the likes of Anne Harmon. I mean, people can Google these. They'll, they'll find all these uh, absolutely wonderful uh, educational books. And, of course, you do have all the different people today that do run courses and we do have Robert Tisserin's book on safety that's another brilliant book that you know is needed for practitioners who are real practitioners within the, in, in the aromatherapy in the herbal world um yeah look I could go on forever there are so many wonderful books out there that um you know should be looked into Mm, and I think what we might do is if I can ask you for a couple of those and I'll put them in the show notes of what you consider to be the top ones so I can make it easy for the listener to check it out in the notes if that's okay with you. Yeah, I'll, Tell I'll, us about your book. Okay, so that was a little time when I jumped into my box, you know, that little box I was talking to you about. Indeed, I love that box. <laughs> so you know, often if something hit rock bottom, which and right back um, some years ago, rock bottom hit for me greatly and um, I didn't know which way to go and I knew I had to kind of get back in that box and change my attitude. And I love my mum. My mum would always say to me, even as a child, why don't you just jump back in your little box for a while? You, you'll um, you'll get through this because you can get through this and you will get through this. And, and I suppose I jumped in my box at this stage and I thought, look, you know what? We got COVID. Nobody can do anything. Massage has gone out the door. Everything's just like horrendously revolting. So let me just see where I can, what can I do? So I got out and I sat down and I brought out all my journals and I looked at all of the, the things I've done in clinical practice and gone through all of my notes, my everything. And I, and I just sat there and I said for some years, oh, one day I'll write a book. And I sat there and I put all my clinical practice that I could um, I work closely with um, our First Nation people. I want it to, to be a book of of Australia because Australia is really what I'm about. I'm about Australia. I'm about where I live and I am so proud of being who I am and where I've come through all the hard yard knocks that I've had to deal with. And I feel that I wanted to give Australia to the world. And I knew that there was a book many years ago that were brought out and I and I thought, well, you know, like I did, I, I had actually mentioned to that person, you know, did you want to do it and nothing happened. So I thought, well, you know, I can't wait for other people to help them again or be with them doing things. No, I'll do it myself. I can do this. So here I am back in the box. And every day, and I will say this with total honesty, I would be up and some mornings I'd be up at four o'clock just typing, 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 getting things together. Thank God for spell check because I can't even, I don't know where to put the dots and cross the T's on many occasions and I'm a lousy speller. So that all worked out beautiful for me. I spoke to lots of people. I did do lots of bushwalking with uh, the Bundjalin people through um, the area I live. Um, I had some a fine artist who, a beautiful Aboriginal girl who did all my artwork in the book. My children took all the photos as much as we could and I just put everything that I knew together and 4 o'clock in the morning till 7 o'clock at night and then I would close down and I basically did that pretty well every day and my kids would say to me, oh, I know, we don't need to ask you, you're writing a book, right? You're writing a book. So that's that's where that all came about and, yeah, in 21 um, I launched the book and it has been 
wonderful and and I'm very proud of it. And that's the, from the 7th of May right through until the end of June, I'm going to many different countries and I'm doing some workshops on clinical practice as an aromatic practitioner and, yeah, taking and using all essential oils from Australia. Tell us what it's called and the exact place we can get a copy. Okay, so you can go on to Aromatherapy Today Education, of course, and you'll be able to find your way um, at the shop to to pick up and purchase the book. And, yeah, it, look, actually, you just have to Google it these days, which is lovely. It's it's up there. It's um, Australian native essential oils. So, And, of course, there are common grown essential oils in there. So I've put in herbal medicine. There is things about extracts. There's carrier oils, Australian carrier oils in there, Australian common grown essential oils. And each one of these oils that I work with, I either work with the farmer um, and the producers or whomever that might be. And that's all documented in the back of the book as well. So, you know, people can go and see where that's all taken from and where I've, I've purchased things from as well. It's incredible. And I just truly love your passion for this. And it has been an absolute honor being in this world with you. I started learning about essential oils when I was just 19 years of age. I got trained up and learned in Melbourne, got to meet people like Sel Batalia, got to meet beautiful Jen Jeffries, got to meet the amazing you, worked under the two incredible girls that started in essence, Judith White and Karen Downs, which was just an amazing time, really. They really did bring aromatherapy to the masses and did it in such a powerful way, didn't they? Actually, I remember Kim going back some time ago when I, I saw those two girls and met them very nicely. They were. And, yes, of course, Sal's been a very good friend and a very good support to me as well. And Jennifer Jeffries has been a, an amazing um, colleague but also a very good friend of mine. I, I, I think I'm very lucky, like yourself, um, all of my colleagues have become very close friends to me and I feel very privileged to have that and I feel very honoured that they are in my life as well. So I'm very thankful and whomever they are throughout the world, it's it's been very powerful for me. It sure has and what a wonderful way to connect us all and hold that thread of pure and we'll say it, it's not a pun on words, but that real essence, the essential part of us connecting is just powerful beyond words. You know, all of the things that you've done, even taking care of yourself, a lot of the tinctures you've created, the gift that you give when you're in therapy, all of the different things you do in your clinic, everything really is teaching someone to be in control of their own health, their own well-being and being responsible for that. This is the Self-Love Podcast. I'd love to ask you then, given all the hard knocks you've had and all the highs and lows throughout your life, you've still maintained a belief in self. Could you tell me your definition of self-love? Yeah, sure. Look, the first thing I think we all should understand, and I and I suppose I've taught, I have been teaching since I was in my, in my middle 30s, and um, most of it was very high-ended with women more so than probably men, but, you know, there, there were those few that came through it as well. But one thing I did learn very clearly that we all should understand that each person has their own idea of self-love as well because nobody really can uh, be that one, oh, well, that's what self-love's about. So for me, it's about respecting who I actually am and, of course, believing in myself, and that's a very important thing, and knowing to be the best I can 
for who I am. That's really important. How beautiful is that? And ultimately, you're dead right. No one person on this show has ever said it exactly the same, which is very profoundly linked to the fact that no one essential oil is ever the same. And even each batch is never the same. And so when you buy a pure, absolutely uh, 100% essential oil, depending on the growth conditions, the climate, the time of year it's harvested, how it's distilled, which land it's grown on, the chemical uh, makeup of that plant can vary. And I think that's what makes the aromatherapy world so vibrant and so incredibly alive. There is nothing ever the same. How would you describe the aromatherapy world in relation to the human world? Hmm, that's a question. <laughs> How would I describe the essential world? I suppose every drop's precious. It's like every part of our time is precious. Like Mother Nature and Father Time put the plants here, they allow the growth, they give the energy. And I think that's kind of like what our life should be. We should look at that. We've got time. Mother Nature gives us the earth and Father Time gives us the time to create it. So I think it's all very, very much the same. Don't destroy us as we can't destroy the plants because if we destroy the plants, we destroy the essential oil or the essence of life on both ways. Oh, my gosh, we need to bottle that. <laughs> we need to. I'll, I will definitely write out that quote. That was so beautifully said. I have such a love for the plants. And when I created my aroma cards, my grandmother, too, had a big part to play in my love of plants and herbs. And, and then my other grandmother was a great baker. So I had a love of cooking. And then combining the two together at times is just even more wonderful when you get that aromatic sensation and that sensuality based on taste and smell. I would love for us to just very quickly, if you could explain to our gorgeous listener how profoundly that sense of smell, that one precious drop, how does it actually work? work when we inhale it or put it on our skin how would you describe how it impacts our mind bodies and souls well i think just like ourselves they work very uniquely for each and every individual so whether we do an inhalation or whether we do it topically or whether we do it internally it's about what our outcomes need to be the biggest thing is that we need to make sure as a as a person who's going to use essential oils is that they understand them clearly and they're educated properly because no matter which way that you do use them, if you do it incorrectly, just like anything in nature, it can be dangerous. So I think we just need to make sure that we understand the methods and the dosage and the way that we work with them to really get the benefit and the healing properties that these oils can allow us to get. So gorgeous. And I think it's really important that our listener really hears that because if you're new to aromatherapy, it's not just a case of willy-nilly dropping the smell here, there and everywhere. It is really honoring the amount of work and research that has gone into understanding what it means to dilute an oil, what's the best method of use depending on the outcome we want, and then, of course, which essential oils work best with which ones. Deb, we're coming to a close of the podcast, and I'm just curious to ask you, if there was a final message for the self-love podcast listener and your favorite quote, what would you want them to know? Mm. Well, 
I, I thought about I I knew this sort of question would come to me, and I, I always say that our uniqueness is what one should embrace, and as that, it's what makes us really as special as what we are. So may every aroma that they smell be a healing one. I'm going to make that the quote. Is that your final words? That's your final quote. I love it. I'm going to write that out for every listener because that is profound in itself. Deb Adderby, thank you. Thank you for being in my world and for being a leader and someone I admire and look up to. And thank you so much for including me in your world and our mutual love of these powerful plant extracts and, of course, herbal medicine. I just want to thank you for everything you do, not only for the Australian community, and even though I know your passion is there, I want you to know that that ripples out beyond into the world. Uh, The New Zealanders love what you do. The Europeans, the Americans, the Africans, like honestly, every single part of this world, your legacy is way beyond what you could ever, ever imagine. And from my heart to yours, my friend, I just wholeheartedly thank you. Kim, thank you so much. And I really treasure that you have even opened the door for me as well. So my love is sent with you. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family. And head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.